In this podcast, I'm going to be talking about the theme of violence in Macbeth and what a Jacobean audience would have thought about what they were seeing on the stage when it was first performed in 1606. Firstly, the audience would have had some idea about what would be involved from the outset as the full title of Shakespeare's play is The Tragedy of Macbeth. Knowing that it's a tragedy would have informed the audience that it would involve a lot of pain and suffering. Another of Shakespeare's tragic plays called King Lear, which was written and performed at roughly the same time as Macbeth, posted a scarily impressive body count of 10 central characters. So a Shakespearean audience would be well aware of the blood and gore in store for them. Furthermore, a Shakespearean audience would have been well used to seeing the violent end to people's lives, with public executions being a regular occurrence and even a form of entertainment that crowds would gather to watch. For instance, criminals sentenced to hanging for crimes such as treason would be strung up in the most public of locations in London, such as outside St Paul's Cathedral, Marble Arch, or anywhere the court thought would get the most viewings. Escaping violence in Shakespearean times was practically impossible. So, on to Shakespeare's play Macbeth. At the beginning of the play, our protagonist is a famed and merciless warrior who is respected for his violence and aggression on the battlefield. In Act 1, Scene 2, an injured soldier gives the following account of Macbeth's prowess. For brave Macbeth, well he deserves that name, disdaining fortune with his brandished steel, which smoked with bloody execution. Like Valor's minion carved out his passage till he faced the slave, which Nias shook hands nor bade farewell to him, till he unseamed him from the nave to the chops and fixed his head upon our battlements. This passage is describing a particularly gruesome scene from the battle where Macbeth has brought out his sword, cut the the enemy open from the belly button to the jawbone, chopped off their head and placed it on the castle walls for everyone to see. Killing is Macbeth's job and he's very good at it. Others look up to him for this skill in this area, including King Duncan, who promotes Macbeth to Thane of Cawdor to show how much he values him. As I've already mentioned, Jacobean England was a violent time to be alive, and the Scotland inhabited by Macbeth is no different. Within the first act, there is war, and several people close to Duncan are executed for committing treason, that is, the betrayal of a king or queen. So you would think that Macbeth would have been comfortable with death and violence? Well, think again. When it comes to committing the murder of someone close to him, Macbeth is far less comfortable with the violence required to commit the crime. In fact, it is Macbeth's dearest partner of greatness, his wife, that must encourage and embolden him to go through with it, literally the bloody business, as Macbeth describes it. Lady Macbeth fiercely attacks her husband's masculinity in Act 1, Scene 5, stating that he is too full of the milk of human kindness to kill someone he loves and respects. Violence and aggression would have been more associated with masculine gender roles in Jacobean society, so Shakespeare cleverly goes against the audience's expectations of how men and women should behave in this situation. What is more, after finally going through with it, Macbeth finds it difficult to verbalise what he has done. He informs Lady Macbeth in Act Scene scene 2 that he has done the deed and says, I am afraid to think of what I have done. Macbeth's psychological torment is now unstoppable, as there is no turning back the clock on what he has done. Will the power and glory of the crown be worth having betrayed and brutally murdered a friend? 
So far, we have focused mainly on Macbeth, but I want to look a bit closer now at Lady Macbeth. While she does not enact any violence, she is key to inciting it. She castigates Macbeth for his weakness and serves up one of the darkest and most uncomfortable images in the entire play. I have given suck and know how tender it is to love the babe that milks me. I would, while it was smiling in my face, have plucked my nipple from his boneless gums and dashed the brains out, had I so sworn as you have done to this. Here, Lady Macbeth is suggesting that if she and Macbeth had agreed to murder a newborn baby, she would have the mental strength to do it without going back on her word. The image of a vulnerable infant being attacked would have been truly shocking for Shakespeare's audience, and it would give them a clear understanding of how much Lady Macbeth desires the violent end to Duncan's life, and therefore her place on the throne as Queen of Scotland. As the play progresses, Macbeth's relationship with violence changes. He chooses to distance himself from the killings by hiring people to do his dirty work for him. In Act 3, Scene 1, despite claiming that he could, with barefaced power, sweep him from my sight, Macbeth employs the best of the cutthroats to kill his former friend Banquo and Banquo's son Fleance, who he believes to be a rival to the throne. As we can see, the targets become increasingly more personal. Macbeth emphasises to the hitmen that Fleance must embrace the fate of that dark hour. Let's think about the reasons why Macbeth chooses to step away from his violent role. Firstly, he struggled serious mental anguish, understandably, after the murder of Duncan, so he perhaps does not want to put himself through that torture again. Secondly, Banquo is a, Banquo is a close friend and his son is still a child, so maybe Macbeth doesn't trust himself to go through with the killings himself. Finally, he made serious blunders during the first murder of Duncan, such as bringing the daggers back into his chamber instead of leaving them with the guards, so he might worry that he will make similar errors in judgement again. Another harrowing moment in the play is Macbeth's decision to slaughter Macduff's wife and children following another ominous prophecy from the three witches. In an aside in Act 4, Scene 1, Macbeth almost joyously informs the audience of his intentions in the following lines. The castle of Macduff, I shall surprise, seize upon Macfife, give to the edge of the sword his wife, his babes, and all unfortunate souls that trace him in his line. Now that Macbeth has delegated the role of executioner, violence is mercilessly enacted on multiple innocent people, in this case a woman and her children. Interestingly, upon hearing the news that she and her family must flee due to a threat to their safety, Lady Macduff shows her violent and aggressive qualities in order to protect her children. The poor wren, the most diminutive of birds, will fight her young in her nest and against the owl. This emotive description of a small and weaker bird having the courage to fight away violence aimed at her children from a larger and more powerful bird of prey is in stark contrast to what we have learned about Lady Macbeth, who has no qualms describing an incident of infanticide earlier in the play. Just as the play begins with a battle, so it ends with one. In Act 5, Scene 7, Macbeth proclaims, Bear like I must fight, suggesting that he believes himself to be full to the brim of power and aggression, and will do all he can to retain the crown of Scotland. 
Much of Macbeth's arrogance is down to the fact that he believes no one of a, of a woman born can defeat him. So at the peak of what he sees as his invincibility, he sweeps aside young Seward and says, Swords I smile at, weapons laugh to scorn. This tells the audience that Macbeth is utterly in the thrall of the witch's prophecies, as he believes no form of arms or combat can defeat him. At this point, it is essential to look at the character of Macduff and his personal journey towards vengeance following Macbeth's treacherous murder of his family. If thou be slain with no stroke of mine, my wife and children's ghosts will haunt me still. Macduff feels personally responsible for the killing of Macbeth in order to bring honour back to him and his family and rid himself of the guilt for leaving them unguarded against their aggressors. Macduff further demonstrates how important the role of violence is to him when he asserts that my voice is in my sword. In this moment, no words can appropriately articulate the pain and anger Macduff is feeling better than the blade in his hand. Violence will be his form of communication. Macduff finally triumphs against his foe and exits the stage with the body of the dead butcher Macbeth. As it turns out, it was not only the witches who prophesied in the play, so too did Banquo. In Act 3, Scene 4, the ghosts of Banquo ominously states that blood will have blood. This is true of Macbeth, and indeed Lady Macbeth. Macbeth at the hands of Macduff, and Lady Macbeth, who was key to bringing about the violent bloodshed in the play, and by self and violent hands, took off her life, finding the pain of her actions too much to bear.